0: The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today we're so fortunate to have back a returning guest, my friend Sue Khan from up there in Massachusetts who is a learning disability specialist, is an author, she writes, she does it all, she's dedicated. Sue, thank you for being here again at Different Brains.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Now you are one of the world's authorities on learning disabilities of all types, okay? How did you get into that?
1: My third son did not learn how to speak. I thought he couldn't talk and understand us because he was so hyperactive. He didn't focus on us, but I was wrong. He also had an auditory processing problem, which is part of uh, a learning disability for some people. So I needed to teach him to speak. And these were in the bad old days before schools gave you free speech therapists and early intervention. So I heard that Mass General Hospital trained people in the Orton-Gillingham program for reading and that that could be adapted for speaking. So I went to school and I learned what to do. Now, my child was very difficult. However, he eventually earned an MBA. So I found out that the right intervention early makes a huge difference. And I taught my son to speak. I later taught my son to read. And he went through the public schools and uh, has done very well. Meanwhile, I learned so much and I met other parents who had kids who were not quite as difficult as mine, but they were struggling. And I thought, you know, I really ought to do this professionally because I know enough now that I can help many people.
0: Well, that's great. Now, Sue, can you give us a State of the Union from your perspective on where we are today on education? for those of us who learn differently?
1: Not in a good place. (laughs) The good news is that many states now have passed dyslexia legislation. And that usually involves defining dyslexia so the people in school are all talking about the same thing with the same set of symptoms. And then it involves uh, intervention with evidence-based methods known to work on dyslexic students. However, in my state of Massachusetts, I have been unable to get that legislation passed, and I've worked on the committees for three years. So, Governor Baker, if you're listening, lend your support so that children in Massachusetts can learn to read.
0: All right, we're going to send this to Governor Baker and see what we could do here, too. Um, I don't know if he listened to us Floridians, but it can't hurt. It can't hurt. Um,
1: We do need national legislation, but... Uh, because in the moment our Congress isn't working as well as we might like. States have decided to take the problem into their own hands and solve it. So the dyslexia legislation is being solved now one state at a time.
0: What can our audience do to help?
1: Oh, good. Uh, (laughs) Well, for right now, I think they should um, talk to their state representatives and state senators about a law that would define dyslexia and mandate um, dyslexia intervention programs before age nine, because the brain is less plastic after age nine, and you can't have the complete total cure after nine that you can have before nine. So that early intervention matters. And it seems to me that uh, the screening is inexpensive, it's about a dollar a kid, And if the state is willing to screen for vision and hearing and posture, they might just as well screen for uh, dyslexia because they can save 20 percent of all children. They can make sure that they're not miserable in school. They don't become dropouts or anxious or depressed or substance abusers or criminals. They just, you know, get to them when they're really young, fix the problem, and then the children do beautifully. I have a chart here. May I hold it up? Sure. Sure. Okay, can you see this? Yes. Okay, this was done by um, uh, Florida Center for Reading Research, and it shows that children who receive intervention, these are the, the red is the at-risk children, by the time they're in fourth grade, they're reading at fourth grade, ninth month level. The children without intervention are reading at fifth grade, second month level. But by not doing the intervention, the fourth graders are still on second grade, fifth month level. So the answer is that the children who are at risk just stay at that bottom point and then they can't interact with the curriculum because they're not ready to read to learn. They still aren't reading properly. So it shows you how important the early intervention is. And nationally, they keep saying, oh, a third of our third graders aren't reading well. Well, if you won't take care of the 20% whom we know how to help so that they do read well, and then you have some other problems that you don't know quite how to cure yet, then it's possible that there are a third of the children in America who can't read at third grade level, but that's totally unnecessary. That's really unnecessary reading failure.
0: Very well said. So if, I am in, uh, if I'm a parent who has a young child who's just received the diagnosis.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't, then that means you paid for the diagnosis because the school won't give it to you.
0: Okay, but you've paid for it. You've gotten it. However you got it, you got it. Now what do you do?
1: You go to school and ask for an educational plan. That's a problem because if your child is bright and doesn't score below the 25th percentile in the different skills tested for, the school will refuse to give your child an educational plan. So your child could sit at the 26th percentile or the 30th percentile in reading and spelling for years. And the school would refuse to help the child because they're average.
0: <laughs> is that for is it. that for anything like, like say you have Asperger's, where you're going to score high on certain things, uh, you can't get an IEP.
1: Well, you can get an IEP for those areas where you score poorly. So usually, a um, dyslexic student will score poorly in spelling. So you may be able to get an IEP for spelling. Uh, that person will score poorly for reading fluency. So you might be able to get an IEP for reading fluency. But you really should be able to get an IEP just because you're dyslexic, you're dyslexic and you need a different method of education.
0: Okay. Um, tell us. But
1: it's very difficult.
0: Tell us about your new book.
1: Oh, yes. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> this is called PSS for Phonics. And it stands for Position in a Syllable Determines Sounds and Spelling. And this is my reading theory, it's new. (laughs) I've wanted to write this book for years, but never had time. Um, You need to divide words up into syllables if you don't have a camera in your brain that just photographs words. But once you have the syllables, and you know which letters belong together, you still may not be able to read the word correctly because you don't know the sounds of the letters. And the sounds of the letters change depending on what position they're in. So everybody says in order to read well, if you're dyslexic, you have to learn the sound or sounds that a different letter makes. For instance, C makes two sounds, k and s, whereas Y is a headache because it makes four sounds, If I, E, and Y. So you need to know which one to make when, or you're constantly rereading words. So the position is the key. Now, what I wrote on my cover is this is a common error for dyslexic kids. They read leg is late because they find the parts of the word they know, and that's what they read. Now, once they're trained in syllable division, they find out that the G goes in the second syllable. And if the G comes before the letters E, I, or Y, the G turns into a J. So they needed to know which letters belong together, and then they needed to know that G would be a J, and now they can read the word legislate. Now, that happens quite a bit. Now, in this book here, it's very quick. It tells you what is a syllable, and it shows you in 26 different um, instances how the position of the letter changes. So there are 26 different letters and what happens to them and how they implement a word or influence a word so that the um, word can be read correctly. So it's quite a concise book but it packs a lot of information into practically nothing.
0: What do, what do you think are the most common uh, challenges that our youngsters, our young students present with today? What are their Um, biggest challenges?
1: Do you mean broadly speaking? Or do you mean educationally speaking?
0: Educationally speaking.
1: The teaching methods just do not match their learning styles. Uh, Most school systems have a one-size-fits-all mentality. They really search for what they think is the best method and then they buy maybe a thousand books at all different grade levels, and they insist that every teacher teach that method to every kid. And the students can learn that method at a slow pace, medium pace, or a quick pace, but there is no way the student can have a method that matches his learning style. That seems to me to be very foolish.
0: One size does not fit all, we know that for sure, because all of our brains are different.
1: Of course. So we need to start dividing people up into more sensible groups. One of the groups you would want would be a dyslexic group because we know how they learn. They need this evidence-based sound symbol, syllabic system, and then they do great. But other groups need something else. And we need to take the individuals into account, and we need to work from science, not from politics.
0: Work from science, not from politics. Yeah. From your lips to God's ears, huh? <laughs> okay. How can people find out more about you and your works?
1: I have a website, um, SueConReadNow dot com, and it's much bigger than it used to be because I am now making animated videos for free, and I have placed them on YouTube for free. I am so interested in. Making sure that children or even grown ups learn to read. That I am giving stuff away in the hopes that maybe someday the public schools will insist that uh, the videos be used to teach reading. I think my caption is Will two minutes a day make a reading problem go away? And if all you're suffering from is reading accuracy and you watch the videos, yes, you will learn how to read, but you need to practice because knowing how and being able to do it well are two different things, but at least you would have the instruction. So last year I did 10 animated videos on reading, and this year so far I've completed seven animated videos on spelling, and I'm also doing something else that's free, and that's my blog, which is available on my website, on Reddit, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And I'm doing three different things. One is really fun for me. I'm doing spelling, because people always want hot tips on spelling. I'm doing homonyms, because they always have to struggle with words that are similar, like the three different theirs. But I have a following now for grammar, which is one of my passions, because I'm interested in writing skills. And I've done um, blogs on uh, action verbs avoid mistakes. Everyone loves adverbs. Uh, Next week, I will be publishing Who, Whom, Whose, Which Do You Choose? And I find they're very popular. I get about 200 hits the first day I publish.
0: Wow, that's impressive.
1: So so there are people out there who want to learn if I can make it uh, easy to learn and kind of appealing. Uh, So... uh, well, at any rate, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that those are free and that anybody can learn from, from them. As for learning more about me, my website shows all of my publications, and I now have seven, and I first published in 2013.
0: So they can find everything through the One Portal, through your website?
1: Yes, the suconreadnow.com. And if they go to YouTube, um, Sue's Strategies, Episodes 1 through 17, they can find the uh, videos but they're also on my blog. Let me show you another book. On September 12th, I published the PSS for phonics, the one I just talked to you about. But on May 2nd, I published this one here, which is called Right to Be Right. And it's my first um, time writing for adults. And the expected target audience is high school, college, English language learners, or anybody else who didn't learn while he or she was at school. And I base the teaching on a deck of cards. So I have a red heart who's in love with the green clover who represents a noun. And if you know the usage, you know that any time a group of words or a word decorates a naming word or a noun, it has to be an adjective. And the book is color coded so that you know which words it's self-correcting color coded so that you have a lesson. And then on the reverse side, if it's red, you know, it had to have been an adjective. And if it's green, it has to have been a noun. And then I teach uh, the spade is hyperactive. And if it weren't for the uh, diamond who represents adverbs and the four points are where, when, why and how, then the uh, verb would just rush out uh, our planet and we wouldn't see it again and then we couldn't write any sentences, so we desperately need the adverb. And again, it's the book is self-correcting with exercises. So what I've done here is um, knowing grammar enables you to write short or long sentences and know you didn't make a mistake. It also increases reading comprehension because people who aren't familiar with grammatical structures read sentences by what they like best. And that's not what the author says because the author understands the grammar and is using the grammar to make certain points, but people who haven't studied it don't know what that's about. So the other thing I did in this book was I'm disappointed in most of the teenage curriculums for American education. So I said, if the kids need to practice these skills, I'm going to make them practice on American history, American government and American culture. So we have in here, how do you vote? What is the executive branch, the legislative branch? I have stuff on musical comedy because I love musical comedy. But we're famous in America for our musicals. And I have history and I have authors. And I guess you would find out that I'm somewhat of a feminist because I liked Louisa May Alcott's emphasis on women way back when. So at any rate, this is kind of a fun book, right, to be right.
0: Looks good. Now, where where do you stand on in two thousand eighteen now on some of the uh, software that's available, like Grammarly and other other softwares that kind of correct you as you go. What are your well, thoughts?
1: I, sorry, <laughs> no, because they don't really understand grammar from a functional point of view. They're always telling me that I'm making mistakes when I know perfectly well I'm not. And they're, they're trained to look for certain basic things. So I suppose if you write simple sentences, maybe they can find your errors, but I don't trust them. I like the spelling checkers. I think they're more reliable. But again, the spell checker will only help you if you're one letter off. If you are two letters off, chances are the spell checker will think you're a foreigner or a foreign word and not fix the word. So if a person has achieved sixth grade spelling, then a spell checker is a good friend. But if a person cannot spell at the sixth grade level, he or she will enter words and and the spell checker just won't recognize them.
0: Gotcha. So what is your one word, one piece of advice For uh, someone who's got challenges, is struggling with their education at any level of school, what is your advice for them?
1: At the moment, go find a private tutor like me and make the problems go away. (laughs) Uh, You know, because we have study skills to teach. We have... You know, we can make sure the person reads accurately and increase the vocabulary so the comprehension improves, increase the uh, strategies for comprehension, improve the grammar so they don't make silly mistakes and just read what they like rather than what the author said. There is so much we can do and most courses depend upon reading. So, um, I like the idea of the audiobooks because many of my students who do not receive help before grade, age nine or grade four have reduced reading speed for the rest of their lives. And there is no way that they can complete high school reading assignments without audiobooks. So, that is a blessing. But I like to have the students read with the audiobooks because there's a chance their own reading speed will improve as they try to keep up with the audiobooks. And two senses work better than one. So they're listening and reading. So I love those. Now there are programs for writing. I like this um, voice to uh, text, because if the students are having terrible trouble with handwriting, yes, they should be on the computer, but let's say they're even having trouble with the computer, they can speak their thoughts into the uh, computer or the tablet, and then that will translate. So there are a lot of aids that make Life a lot easier. I like them all. <laughs> but Greg no, yes. thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all righty. And uh, once more, could you please tell our audience the best way to reach you?
1: Yes. Um, well, I have an email, uh, which is Susan B. Kahn at gmail.com and i have the website which is the and where you can find out about me and my products that's the suukonreadnow.com
0: thank you so much for being with us again uh Sukhan, it's keep up the great work you're doing keep fighting for that legislation up there in massachusetts oh, too never- <laughs> yeah, and uh, keep up all your good work. Thank you so much for brains, being with us. Brands, Thank you so for much more for inviting me. I love chatting brains. with you. Org.